0: Hello, and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and it is DFS Thursday, Friday, for you all listening out there. As always, I'm joined by none other than PFF Zone, the prop prophet himself, Andrew freaking Erickson. Andrew, happy week 17.
1: Yes, happy week 17 indeed. Happy, you know, shout out to us. You know, we were... We talked about the Burrow, the Burrow stacks last week and that, that's what you needed, man. Like, that's what you need. I'm glad that we were able to finally like hit on, I know we've been pretty good in cash, but I feel like we were pretty on top of the Bengals passing game last week and that turned out really well
0: a great day to be great andrew this today and it was then as well so i do think we might have another uh, gpp stack for everyone against that very same baltimore ravens defense this <laughs> week more on that in a bit as always on this edition of the pff fantasy football podcast we're gonna roll through our cash game lineup first the idea with this is that we are not trying to take down you know a massive tournament just trying to win the head-to-head the 50 50 highest floor as possible and we are not worried about ownership so with all that said andrew Pretty easy choice at quarterback. If Jimmy G is going to miss the game with a thumb injury, which it seems like he will, Kyle Shanahan's leaving it open, Jimmy G's leaving it open, but just based on the matchup, the injury, things we're hearing from doctors, it sure seems like Trey Lance is going to be out there. I mean, if this price was $1,000 more, I think we would probably be settling on Trey Lance as our quarterback in this spot. Highest team implied total of the week, but 4800 for Trey Lance. If he's starting, I have no idea how you can get off of him. I guess and. Andrew, the better question is, let's say Jimmy G does start and Trey Lance is out of the picture. Where are you kind of looking to go then? Because we do have our guy Jalen Hurts sitting at 6,600, but there are some additional dual threat guys like your Justin Fields, like your Taysom Hills, if you want to save a little more money.
1: Yeah, I think that you just go, you know, you go to the next mobile quarterback on the on the board. <laughs> it's got a right. this week. It's nice. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of guys you can choose from. I guess I would probably go. you know, depending on how much salary I have. I think that I prefer to go to Hertz. I like his matchup more against the football team. Again, just they've looked like they've packed it in. You know, it, it looked like they had you know kind of resurged a little bit after a really tough start to the season but now it's like they've kind of regressed back to you know what they were doing during the start of the year where they really weren't stopping anybody I mean second most fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks over the last four weeks we saw Hurts just two weeks ago like have a monster game against them despite like starting off really really poorly Um, he was able to rally and get things going so I think the football team is packed it in so I would like to get up to Hurts at 6600 if not Taysom Hill just playing in like a really gross game you know against Sam Darnold (laughs) it's just it's just like gross but hill has been like a top 12 quarterback in almost all of his starts dating back to last year you know last week or the his last game he played against tampa bay you know was one of those weird games where they won nine nothing he wasn't really asked to do a lot you know both offenses didn't really do much so like that's like the floor you're looking at but i mean that was really his you know outrange kind of outcome where it was just a very bad performance from in fantasy but i don't think that it'll be that bad this week
0: yeah, we got Fields there at 5,500, but coming off the ankle injury, I think there's a, a lot of questions uh, surrounding if he's going to really be, you know, willing to run as much as we kind of saw in that nice QB1 stretch he had himself, four of his last five starts. I would lean Hurts over Taysom. You know, it is $600 in saving, but Hurts last week, he only had seven rushing yards and he still finished as the QB13. I don't think Taysom Hill is capable of doing that. Your boy Deontay Harris might be back in action. We'll see if he can get off the COVID list. I'm sorry, Deontay yes. Hard- Hardy. <laughs> get Deontay. new last name
1: name right i went down like the whole rabbit hole of trying to figure out like what (laughs) happened to his name you know i was like scrolling because it's like on his tiktok that you know he has this video and apparently what happened was like somebody like stole his social security number based on the document that was in the TikTok video. Oh like so, like somebody like dove in and was able to take it. And I was like, dude, like, what are people doing on TikTok? This guy's like going through this like sentimental moment with his stepfather. He's changing his last name. And then you have some jerk on TikTok literally stealing his social security oh number because you can like kind of see it. Like if you like zoom in times like a thousand on the document. So uh, wild stuff out there. Hopefully we get Deontay Hardy. Back on the field for the
0: Saints. Be careful in those TikTok streets, Andrew. There's a (laughs) a lot of bad people out there. All right, moving on to running back. I think there's a fairly – there's a lot of cash game viable, guys, because, you know, the pool from like 4.9K at the low end, which is Boston Scott. If Jordan Howard's also going to join Miles Sanders on the sideline, even if he doesn't. I would not want Boston Scott in cash if Howard doesn't. I think there's enough guys, you know, priced uh, just $1,000 more to not worry about it. But if Howard's out, Boston Scott is cash game viable. And then you can get all the way up to a guy that I do think needs to be locked in in Ronald Jones at the Jets. So a lot of potential options here. Andrew, I'm leaning towards Rojo. 6,300 against the Jets. League-worst defense in fantasy points per game. Allowed the running backs, as we saw last week, in the absence of Goblin and Evans, much more run-first attack from this Tampa Bay offense than we've seen, even if Mike Evans comes back. They're facing the freaking Jets. Double-digit favorite. I do just think Rojo needs to be jammed in the lineups, cash lineups of all shapes and sizes. And also, if he's active, Elijah Mitchell at 6K. Look, I'm fine stacking him with Trey Lance if we can guarantee like almost every single touchdown on the ground in this offense against the freaking Texans. I'm not against that. We know Mitchell has true 30 touch upside when he's out there, and you know if we again if we can just have Lance and Mitchell there, this is a rare situation where there's enough concentrated volume between these two that I'm not against lining that up. But if that's not your if that's not your pick, so many other options. Devlin Singletary 5400 at home versus the Falcons. We can talk ourselves into Sony Michelle, Darrell Williams, Jeff Wilson if Mitchell is out chase edmonds of connor is out andrew we have so many cash game viable running backs this week which ones do you like the best
1: yeah i think that you know at the top of that like tier of the mid-range David montgomery i mean he's just seeing like just crazy usage and i just love that he's seeing dual usage as a receiver like he had like nine targets last week and that's why i was talking about him a lot i mean seven catches for 61 yards You know, he's checking off all the boxes of what you're looking for, fourth and expected fantasy points per game, third in touches since week 11. He's facing the Giants like the Bears are favored by like a touchdown in this game. Like that, 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 that doesn't happen very often. So this could be a game where like the Bears can like establish the run with Dave Montgomery like they want to do every single week and they just can't because they're usually losing a lot of their games. Um, it makes a lot of sense for him. Now, it's almost like you'd rather have him actually, like, catching double-off passes than getting carries because it's just better for the PPR scoring. But I think Montgomery is really, really safe. I think in the projections, he is the highest projected running back in terms of rostership. And that, you know, I think that's a kind of a useful tool to lean on in terms of cash because you don't necessarily need to, like, the field. So if you're really torn between two running backs, well, if everyone's going to play, you know, David Montgomery, then you probably should play him two in cash because if he has a 30-point game and you just chose the other 6k running back, yeah. then you know you're going to get buried, and that kind of defeats the purpose of you know the cash game. You're only trying to win on a couple different with a couple of different players. You're trying to make others make mistakes against you. So I think Montgomery makes a ton of sense here. I know you mentioned Michelle. I like Singletary Andrew, a lot. Real think-
0: quick, real quick, you, you sold me on Montgomery being a top option. So good job. By you. I would bump <laughs> out Elijah Mitchell. It's it's not the worst thing in the world to have. I, I think Lance and Mitchell can work together, but why, why even mess with it? We can get up to Dave Montgomery. I think with some of the value we can get at tight end and defense. More on that later. So, Rojo and Montgomery, I think those are the top two, but now continue.
1: Yeah, no, it's interesting with Rojo too, because I was surprised at how I thought his roster was going to be like extremely high. And I think that it's, you know, as we'll get into when we talk about receivers, I think it's Antonio Brown is like <laughs> suffocating Ronald Jones roster because Man. people just can't play. Like people are people are choosing to shoot, play Antonio Brown instead of Ronald Jones, which I think is kind of an interesting nugget. But I think, yeah, Michelle, he's the bell cow for the Rams. Locked alone. The matchup isn't like amazing, but you know, he's getting a ton of volume. So I think that he's really, really safe. And and Darrell Williams makes a ton of sense. Um, maybe more of a tournament pivot if Edward Solaire is ultimately ruled out because he's at the same price as Sony Michelle.
0: It feels like CEH isn't going to play. We'll, we'll, we'll see no, what goes on with not. that.
1: They, they always do this. And it's better to go back to your thing about Kyle Shannon. It's like, yeah, like John Harbaugh did this with, you know, Lamar Jackson. Like, yeah, like maybe he'll play. It's like it just so that the other team has to prepare for both quarterbacks. For like, weeks he's been saying yeah, this. Like, yeah, come on, so, man. yeah, I think that, I mean, imagine the tilt. Oh, my God. Sundays, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Sundays, the, the, you know, we get the report at like 2.30. Jimmy oh, Garoppolo is okay. in the game. Everyone has these Trey Lance lineups that are all just dead now. We have to figure out who Dude. to plate swap to. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's a nightmare. Please, for the love of God, do not give me that Jimmy G game time decision label. That would suck. All right, so we're leading Rojo and Montgomery as the top two cash game plays at running back. I think Devin Singletary is also more than viable. Elijah Mitchell, if active. And then once again, Sony Michelle. Chase Edmonds, if James Conner is out. If Conner is out, then I actually would prioritize getting Chase Edmonds, uh, in there above these other guys. Um, and then Boston's got 4.9. OK, if that one feels just like a little trappy, man, I'm not positive that I think Scott, you know, deserves to be one of the better waiver additions and stuff. But even then, it's not like we're ranking him as his top 10, top 12 running back in season long, much more of like a borderline RB two. all those freaking problems. that have been impacting Miles Sanders this year, like also can apply to Boston Scott. This isn't like a dream situation. Yeah, he's
1: he's. He's also not playing the Giants, <laughs> right. Because who yeah. always scores touchdowns against he's like Giants Slayer, man. <laughs> like even when he's like not even the starter, he okay. just somehow finagles his way into the starting lineup whenever they face the Giants <laughs> and scores a touchdown. So
0: I love yeah. that. It's <laughs> like just Boston Scott owns the Giants. Such a random storyline that continues to come in year after year after year. So a lot of options at running back where you don't have to pay a lot. And Andrew that allows us at wide receiver to get up to our guy Cooper Cup right now in this season, averaging the second most PPR points per game among any wide receiver in the last 50 years only jerry rice in 1987 was putting up more numbers than cup oh and by the way he's facing the same freaking Ravens secondary that we just saw burrow boyd higgins and chase go absolutely ape shit against last week so yes i am down to pay up for cup over jonathan taylor i mean it is an extra 500 bucks but hey man we saw him last week with taylor the dude is mortal particularly when Wentz and or if Wentz is not going to be under there uh you'd expect the raiders to be able to step up you know and really do a better job than i guess we would expect against them i understand the raiders are like not a good run defense but at the same time man like last week against seattle or excuse me no denver denver what the fuck am i looking at all right I know the Raiders are not a great run defense, but man, when you actually have to go into things and you look at, okay, if they don't have to respect the pass at all, I could see Jonathan Taylor maybe not having his usual, um, you know, berserk day, but those could also be famous last words. Either way, I do prioritize Cup over uh, Taylor, and I think it's fair to give Cup the higher overall projection. I don't think that's exactly a hot take. After that, Andrew, you mentioned it before, Antonio Brown, 6,100. What are we doing here, (laughs) DraftKings? Like, you just, to put him underneath Terry McLaurin, Devontae Smith, <laughs> Hunter Renfrow, and some of these guys. It's like, what the hell were they smoking when they were making these prices? Because I want some. But man, like, even if Mike Evans comes back, okay great. We're still looking at 10 plus targets and who the hell knows how healthy Mike Evans will even be coming off the COVID list, coming off the hamstring injury. So AB, lock him in regardless. And to your point, Andrew, like, yeah, just eat the chalk. There's not a bad enough reason uh, to fade AB in this potential smash bot. And then after that, I do lean a Monros St. Brown at 6K. He's basically discount Jalen Waddle, They're, They're both in solid matchups. I'd argue St. Brown's is even better because when you look at the Seattle Seahawks defense, I mean, they've actually been one of the better secondaries in the league at stopping passes throwing at least 20 yards downfield because they put all their eggs in that basket which isn't the worst strategy they're just trying to limit big plays but because of that we see slot receivers have the third most catches against them in the league and running backs like just they're so bad against running backs not necessarily because their run defense is brutal it's because they give up so many receptions and yards to them because they just allow these dink and dunks all over the field so maybe getting DeAndre Swift back cuts into St. Brown's workload a little bit even then man I'd be shocked if he finished with fewer than eight targets so if you can get up to waddle instead of st brown that's great but i don't really think it's absolutely necessary so you know i'm leaning towards those guys andrew how do you kind of feel um about that group because again we could even go cheaper depending on some of these injuries get someone like josh palmer in there
1: yeah i know like those are the exact same three guys i sent you you know Antonio Brown, cooper Cobb monroe st brown those are the guys that kind of fit into the bill that i made and yeah, Josh Palmer, I think is the only one that, I mean, under 4K, I couldn't find like every, when I do like the breakdown, I try to kind of tear everything like, all right, below 4K, like who are the receivers that are like in play? Like guys that, you know, I'm not just like picking a random player to just put in my line. Cause like, I don't know what's going to happen. But, like someone that I could actually like envision. Okay. Here's yeah. his path to success. That's not like I'm talking on crazy pills. And <laughs> there was like only like three guys that really fit the category, like Zay Jones, Braxton Berrios, and then Josh Palmer. And Josh Palmer is clearly the best option of those three guys. And that's only the caveat with him is if Mike Williams doesn't come back. So yeah. I think it's interesting that Jalen Guyton has already returned to, to the team at this time of recording. We don't have any updates on Mike Williams. So Palmer, I think, does make it possible. So if you get him into your lineup in replacement of like Amara St. Brown, then you can actually play Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor in the same lineup if you so choose so that's kind of like one path you could take if you use Josh Palmer you get Trey Lance just because you can save a lot you punt tight end you punt DST you can fit in those both those 9k studs because honestly like they're worth it because they're just so far ahead of the rest of the field in perspective to what the other positions score so I think that's just another kind of thing to keep in note that if we have that you know accessibility something that you can do
0: you think we should be trying to prioritize that regardless? I mean, Braxton Berrios, 3,700, is reasonable enough. I know last week he got there with the kick return <laughs> touchdown, but like even before he had the full time role that he now has with Crowder out, I don't think Crowder's coming back. So we'll, he's like 50 that.
1: 50 to come back. And then Elijah Moore is like also like 50 50 to come ah, back too. We got
0: Elijah. Okay. No. Damn. So, so, no no Braxton Berrios, I guess. (laughs) No Braxton Berrios in cash. Okay. It was a fun uh, 10 seconds of my brain considering that. So, okay. Right now, prioritizing Cooper Cup, Antonio Brown, and Amon Ross St. Brown. But yes, keep an eye on Mike Williams. He is eligible to return, as is everyone that's had COVID, basically, with these uh, new rules they got going on. Just realize when they're healthy, it's usually Keenan Allen full time, Mike Williams full time, Guyton and Palmer, legit split reps, like right down the middle. I, I think with Mike being, you know, I believe he's on, vaccinated. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. I believe with Mike, maybe, I mean, man, you know, we've seen numerous examples over the past few weeks, these guys, you know, coming back, not having the same sort of conditioning. I would not be trusting Mike Williams coming back. I just think that it'd probably be this kind of three-player rotation, more than usual, Guyton, Palmer, Williams, and predicting which one's going to go off against a good Broncos secondary. Uh, It's just, you know, something that we're not going to mess around with in cash. All right, Andrew, real quick on defense. We're saving money with Detroit, right? There's not like a great kind of cheap defense this week. But if you look at the offenses, like we got the Jets going up against the Buccaneers. Hell no. Falcons (laughs) against the Bills. Absolutely not. Jaguars (laughs) against the Patriots. Miss me with that. Washington against Philly. No. Baltimore against the Rams. No. Like we're going up and up and up and it's brutal. The one spot we can maybe salvage is the not a good Detroit defense, but one that hasn't quit against the Seattle offense. And we talk about this, man. Guys like Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, you know, when they hold the ball this long, they make some big plays. They also take a lot of sacks, which is ultimately what we're looking for here.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're not afraid of the Seahawks offense. You know, if if you were afraid of the Seahawks offense, we'd be talking about Russ Wilson stacks left and right, yeah. which we have like, which is like no, literally never worked all year. I don't even year. mention them yet. Yeah. <laughs> It hasn't worked all year. And so, yeah, I think that the Lions make a ton of sense. as like a pay down. Um, I mean, if you want to pay up a little bit, like, I don't always hate, like, the strategy of going for a good real-life defense that's just tr- che- that's priced really, really cheap against a good offense. You know, we've seen the Chargers stumble at times, so, like, I don't think the Broncos at 2600 is, like, some crazy play. I mean, the Broncos are a legit good defense. Like, you look at all the good offenses they've played. They've, like, stifled every single one of those offenses. The Chiefs, the Cowboys, like, they have been able to slow down those high-powered offenses. And we, found, we saw last week, you know, the Chargers are not you know impenetrable like they can struggle in certain matchups if things don't go their way so i think broncos at 2600 maybe a little bit more upside just because detroit you're playing you're just like hope they don't get negative points because they usually just and the thing that sucks is like they don't have like a pass rush like yeah. so even though russ gets sacked a lot you know i'm trying to find like a reason like all oh, lines are 31st impression rate like dang <laughs> like like this is really not an upside play i think but in cash yeah i think the lines are definitely the pay down option
0: If you want to go up just a little bit higher, I think the Dolphins also make some level of sense. Not really in cash, probably, but tournaments. Do you like um, the Dolphins
1: more or the Giants more? They're both at the same price. Probably
0: the Dolphins. The the Dolphins, man. They're good in real life. (laughs) They're good in real life. Highest (laughs) blitz rate in the league. And like Tannehill, we've seen him when he gets pressured, man. Like Tannehill is another guy where if he has four, he has these four or five sack games where, uh, you know, those points get uh, racked up in a hurry. So, yeah, I do like Miami defense there. And this all leads us to... Paying down at tight end. Uh, I know you were heartbroken, Andrew, when yeah. Tyler Croft got put on the COVID list and we couldn't get all the way down to him. <laughs> but our savior, Mo Alley Cox, might just be there for us. Just 2,800. We need to keep an eye on Jack Doyle. If Doyle's out, though, it's all wheels up for Mo Alley Cox because Doyle got injured early in that game last week. And accordingly, we saw Mo Alley Cox 90% of the offensive snaps. So they're going to continue to keep Kylan Grayson somewhat involved. But seeing that 90% number it's pretty clear that you know mo alley cox is going to be in every down tight end and they might do some two tight end stuff otherwise so if doyle is out i am 100 putting a mo alley cox injury. i know you are too where are you looking though if doyle is able to play through the ping
1: man please doyle do not do this to us when we just talk take it easy we- man you got a lot of important <laughs> games ahead of you just rest up give
0: mo alley cox this one
1: Um, I guess the only other guy that I was looking at, I think that Komet... Komet is like someone we talk about in cash. It seems like, you know, he's always kind of a cash game play because he doesn't catch touchdowns. And and the thing that matchup this week could not be better for him to finally find the end zone because the Giants rank dead last in red zone targets to tight end. So if you hear me say that, and you're like, all right, well, Andrew, then I should just play Jimmy Graham, then go ahead. <laughs> like, like that's honestly probably going to happen, but maybe Komet finds the end zone as well. Um, the Giants are just giving up a lot of points to tight ends in general. So I think that he just has a consistent target share. He's a consistent role. So up at 3,300, I believe he's at. So he's someone that if you can't get to Doyle, or excuse me, if we don't get Ali Cox, I think Komet makes sense from a cash format. And if you just somehow need to save more money, John Bates for the Washington football team. So he's been running more routes than Ricky Seals-Jones has, no. which is something. No, dude, we, dude John we Bates. We don't want John Bates. The Eagles' worst team against tight ends. I don't so care. He's running ahead of Ricky Seals-Jones. That's all I have to say. Not, he's not by that much. But it's enough. I, I just chase the routes run. That, that's my process.
0: <sighs> I would so much. i go up to Yuzoma, man, or Comet at that point. Well, yeah, I mean, I prefer Comet. I really just Jimmy G and Jack Doyle take take the week off. (laughs) These arguments don't even exist. So fair enough if you're truly looking to punt. But at that point, man, like I just don't punt the position Then I if we need to rearrange things, that's fine. But I don't want John freaking Bates on the squad. All right. Just to kind of rehash some of this trade Lance, definitely the number one cash game quarterback of the week. But if Jimmy G is going to be out there, we are looking to do our usual business and get on up to Jalen Hurts. Still too cheap at just 6600 running back. A lot of viable options. Ronald Jones and Dave Montgomery are two favorites. Don't sleep on Devin Singletary, though. Elijah Mitchell, if active. Sonny Michelle, Daryl Williams, Chase Edmonds, if Connor's out, will be prioritized. And Boston Scott, if Jordan Howard is out. You can get up to Jonathan Taylor, as Andrew um, brought up, and with Cooper Cup. Basically, what you got to do is you pivot off of either Rojo or Montgomery. You get up to Taylor, and then you're able to go down at wide receiver to Josh Palmer at 3,600. That is contest contingent though on mike williams being out so cooper cup antonio brown lock them in the wide receiver spots again pray the fancy guys that jack doyle takes this week off we can get molly cox at 5800 and then likely paying down at defense with detroit at 2400 pretty straightforward week for cash i think so hopefully uh you know Hopefully not, not too much changes in the immediate aftermath after <laughs> we record this. But as always, uh, you know, we'll be back on Friday with the injury um, edition of this podcast where, you know, throughout, as we're, as we're going through that, we will, you know, make some edits to what we're talking about here today and update that. So, Andrew, moving on along to some GPP stuff. Now, we are trying to win 000, 000, a million dollars, beat over 100,000 people. We gotta get a little bit contrarian, not trying to be morons here, but we do need to think a little bit out of the box. So with that in mind, you know, one of the easy strategies that I think uh, we can see a lot of times is just pivoting off some of the chalky running backs and going into the passing game. So if you want to look at, you know, Brady, I think that can make a level of sense. Josh Allen, these receivers, we know they always have a chance to boom. But I think the two kind of matchups I'm really leaning on Justin Herbert with Keenan and like Palmer, or even Eckler coming off a of dud. I know Denver's tough, but let's face it. Herbert, he's capable of putting up 300 and three tighties against just about anyone. He did clear 300 against his defense last time they faced. wasn't pretty. They only scored 13 points. But again, I just think Herbert, he's a good enough quarterback where when he's on, he can take down pretty much any defense. And then, as I alluded to in the intro of this podcast, we also have Matthew Stafford and company going up against the Ravens. Like, OK, I get it. Cooper and Cooper Cup. I mean, man, if they're was chalk to eat. I think it's him. Like You don't need to fade this dude uh, in tournaments by any stretch of the imagination. So Stafford, Cup, and then throw OBJ and Jefferson out there, man. One of those dudes will probably catch a touchdown. I would probably put my money on OBJ, but I think Van's perfectly viable as well. And looking at their roster ship right now, man, both guys are awfully low. We know this Ravens secondary cannot cover anyone. They're getting Jimmy Smith and Chris Westry back. But even then, man, without Humphreys and Peters, I just think it's an uphill battle. So those are kind of the top two stacks. Uh, I'm looking at in terms of QB and pass catchers. Andrew, I know you're with me on Stafford. What about the highest highest projected scoring game of the week, though, Cardinals-Cowboys?
1: Yeah, I think that people are picking a side with Kyler Murray instead of Dak Prescott. And I don't know if I get that. I mean, I, I think that we're seeing two teams going in opposite directions. Like, we're seeing the Cowboys kind of surge right now. Their defense is on fire, stopping everybody. Their offense is starting to click a little bit more. We saw Dak basically just, like, light up the football team in one half of football basically did everything possible in just one half so I'm I lean on the side of the Cowboys Uh, that's who I want to kind of roster in this game it's really easy to identify who you want to stack or double stack Dak with I I just think it's a really good spot for a Cardinals defense that really has not looked the same in recent weeks I believe they were in the top five in terms of fantasy points allowed per game to quarterbacks in their last four games so yeah you have CeeDee Lane you have Amari Cooper you know who you can double stack Dak Prescott with and I just think that's a really good spot for him in a game that there should be a lot of points in and I just think that we're going to see more points from the Cowboys side and and Kyler can do enough on his end to keep it competitive like that's what you're always kind of looking for it's like okay if Dak's going to get there, Dak needs to get pushed like they they need to push him a little bit I know they didn't really have that that didn't really play out last week but for the most part the season in more competitive games that's when we've seen Dak hit some of his ceiling outcomes so I think that he's the quarterback I want to roster from Cardinals and Cowboys.
0: Moving on to some of these running backs, I think one of my favorite turning plays in running back is going to be Rashad Penny against the Lions. I'm not sure why the projected ownership isn't higher, man. I understand we got Rojo and Montgomery there. You can also go down, I guess, to Sony Michelle and company. But like, if people are really going to trust DeAndre Swift coming off this injury against Seattle, man, could not be me. Like, give me Penny in this one. It's I understand Seattle hasn't looked good, but Swift, we've we've like mocked him as the Jalen Hurts of running backs all year. I think people kind of have this twisted like image in their mind about like what Swift was. I He got almost all of his value from catching passes in garbage time. And I think if they get down a lot and he's playing through the pain of his shoulder injury, they could easily just pull him and let Goblin or Jamal or Reynolds just catch those dumb passes in the fourth quarter of the game. Not a guarantee Goff's out there. Like, yeah, it's cool that Tim Boyle showed he's maybe not the worst quarterback alive for a week, but we can't just ignore the week where he did look like the worst quarterback alive, man. This is still a D Detroit Lions offense that the only consistency has been Amon Ross St. Brown over the last four weeks. But hell, man, we, we saw him goose egg on his birthday after he had a nice little stretch going earlier in the year. So with just so much unknown, this Detroit offense, and I get it. Seattle offense hasn't been a model of consistency either. But over these past four weeks, man, Rashad Penny really has taken over as the lead back. Alex Collins was back in the picture last week. He was healthy. He didn't play. Adrian Peterson, he's on IR. So we have Rashad Penny expecting to see 20 plus carries against the Detroit Detroit Lions. He's a home touchdown favorite. Give me all the Rashad Penny. Don't be afraid to stack him with that Seattle defense as well. Also a fan Even if Stevenson is out there, man, let's take a long look at Damian Harris because Stevenson coming off the COVID list, I think it makes sense. Like a lot of guys, we've seen if he is somewhat eased back into action. And if not, we have, again, a massive home favorite. We know the Patriots want to run the ball as much as possible. and Damian Harris is coming off three touchdowns. I'm not saying he's going to get that again. I understand he's not catching our passes. But if there was a running back in the entire 6K range that you had to gamble is going to score like multiple touchdowns, maybe you take Ronald Jones first, which that makes sense. He's almost at 20% projected ownership. But after him, I think he'd probably have to land on Damon Harris with or without Stevenson. Like, I don't think he's, just because Stevenson's back, it's not like Harris is going to see eight or 10 carries now. He can still push for 20 plus, man. So I think Damon Harris makes a lot of sense. I think Rashad Penny makes sense. But if you want to just kind of look at an overall strategy, look at all the guys we've been talking about with cash. Again, it's all kind of that 4.9 to 6.5K range. So going up to guys like Zeke, Mixon. Kamara Eckler you know Taylor's always going to kind of carry a certain level of ownership but this week it even seems a little bit reduced so if you really just want to kind of change up your overall lineup construction I think the easiest kind of cash game model this week is paying down at running back paying up a wide receiver so do the opposite in tournaments so Andrew you know, if you want to compliment me on some of the things I just said, I always appreciate <laughs> that. But uh, you know, I, I looking at some of your choices, I think the one that sticks out is uh, someone where, again, need to monitor the injury report. But based on Claude Avrillier again being sidelined, Daryl Williams, man, he's someone that I think is cash game viable. But if he's not going to carry ownership, yeah, let's lock him in everywhere. Daryl Williams,
1: yeah, man, that's that, that that's the play here. <clears throat> and I think it's just important to when you're looking at tournament running backs, you know. What happens if Daryl Williams is right? You know, if he scores two rushing touchdowns, what does that mean? Oh, well, it probably means Patrick Mahomes didn't throw for three touchdowns. Like, you really got to find these leverage spots. And really the easiest way I think that you hit on it was, you know, who's the who's the highest projected quarterback? Play the running back in that game. And then vice versa. So who's the highest projected running back? You play the quarterback uh, in tournaments. So that's the way you can kind of spin things. So we have Sony Michelle as the most popular running back or he's he's up there in the top three so how do you pivot off him okay play, play matthew stafford who we talked about at quarterback and then you played darrell williams at the same price point at the running back slot so i think the matchup is really good for him in this specific spot you look at the bengals rank bottom five in targets receptions, and yards allowed running backs this season and that's daryl williams role in this offense even with edward Solaire healthy like he's been the preferred pass catching back all season he's ranked 12th in routes run per dropback rate at 45 percent and that rate went up to 56 which is basically a top five usage rate when Edward Slayer had missed time earlier in the season during that six game stretch. So I mean, Daryl Williams, you're looking at a three down workhorse back. And I don't understand like every single time, you know, Derek Gore, like has a game in garbage <laughs> time. He just gets like so much steam and they're, like everything guys, like it's always in garbage. time, And then that one drive he had on like Monday night football and he didn't play in like the second half at all. For some reason, like it gets so fixated that oh, like he's like in play now. It's like, no, like he's really never been a factor unless they're blowing a team out or there was just that one particular drive where he just got, you know, he was just in in the game. So I think Darrell Williams is pretty clear that he's the the clear-cut, you know, workhorse there for, for the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, I think that I'm going to want to play him against, you know, uh, you know, we're all going to be after, you know, I already know, the Mahomes, Burrow, people <laughs> want to attack this passing game all over again. It's like, you know, so you just look at the running backs, you know, yeah. like you mentioned, paying up for Mixon. Mixon is averaging 24 touches per game over his last six that's the Oof. most in the NFL. He has as just as many touches as Jonathan Taylor does. Like those guys have 30 point fantasy ceilings because they touch the ball so many times. So, you know, that that's part of the reason why you usually want to pay down a running back because you can find guys like David Montgomery that can get into that 24 touch range, but the consistency that Mixon sees it every single week isn't always guaranteed with some of these other cheaper running backs. So uh Mixon and Darrell Williams from I want to play the running backs in this Chiefs Bengals game.
0: And Daryl, unlike Clyde, I mean, if when you play Clyde, like, you got to do what you're saying. You're like, you just expect Mahomes and company to bust. Daryl can get there potentially alongside Mahomes. I mean, the last time he was a starter was when he was mossing Raiders in the end zone. He had nine <laughs> catches, 101 yards, and a score. Like, I know they don't throw the ball to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but man, like, they threw, they do to Daryl for whatever reason, you know. He drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire to be this great receiving back, and they throw the ball to Darryl instead. In his five stars without Clyde, he caught three, three, three six three and nine catches and Clyde doesn't have more than three catches in the game uh you have to go all the way back to 2020 to find the last time he did now at wide receiver mentioned uh Jalen Waddle before on a full PPR site like DraftKings you know Andrew like we kind of I've talked about like these slot receivers and I I uh, hook mentioned Isaiah McKenzie last week as kind of this potential type too, where we need to look at upside, not as necessarily like, oh, I need the Tyler Lockett's of the world where they can give me four catches for 150 yards and a touchdown. Give me 10 catches for 150 yards and a touchdown, man. Give me all those catches and there's they give you such a higher floor with it. So Waddle, man, other than Amon Ross St. Brown, I just don't see another receiver getting schemed these sort of just high floor reception uh, totals in the league right now. So against the Titans, they're actually they've actually allowed the most explosive plays. Two wide receivers aligned out of the slot this year. Maybe just maybe we get Waddle's usual floor with a couple big plays thrown in there as well. Uh, mentioned before, Braxton Barrios at three point seven K. If Crowder's out in tournaments now, not in cash. I do think Pitt Barrios is more than viable. We have continued to see this offense love to throw the ball to the slot. Yeah, maybe Elijah Moore is back in the picture, but this is also a situation where you know, like Elijah Moore it took him like halfway through the year to get a starting role regardless wouldn't be shocked if he comes back you know isn't immediately featured in the offense and then we talked about josh palmer a little bit before but yeah i think my favorite stack in tournaments is mostly going to be going with matthew stafford beckham and jefferson uh, and cup against that ravens defense Plenty of other options, though. Andrew, I know you're with me on Waddle. What about our other guy? I know he's facing shadow coverage from Xavier and Howard. But man, if you give A.J. Brown 10 plus targets against just about anyone, I'm probably going to be betting my money on A.J.B.
1: Yeah, I think that you want to skinny stack this game between the Dolphins and Titans. You know, something that kind of stood out to me about this particular matchup was the pace of play. Like both these teams run extremely fast. And that's something that we talked about last week with the Bengals and Ravens. And that game ended up being a massive shootout and being one that you wanted to stack. Now the quarterbacks are definitely more in the fringe. So if I had to play one quarterback, I probably would lean towards two just because I can, you know, you can stack him with Wally, you can stack him with Devontae Parker, who's just coming off, you know, an abysmal performance where he just got blanked, um, even though he's been really consistent for the most of the year. Um, if you don't want a full game stack, and I think it's just so clear waddles getting all the targets for miami and aj brown is getting all the targets for the yeah. titans like it's it's so clear you know both these defenses are pass funnels like both are really strong against the run not as great against the pass they're forcing teams to throw on them and now the titans actually have someone to throw the ball to like that was the biggest thing with Tannehill; he had no one to throw the ball to aj brown comes back oh a 50 target <laughs> share in his first game back 11 to 16 for 145 receiving yards and a touchdown Early Christmas gift could not have been happier last Thursday night with AJ Brown's performance. So yeah, I want to roll it back. You know, his roster projection's not like it's not like super low. Like he's not flying under the radar, but you know, he's still not gonna be as highly as popular as Cooper Cup or some of these other guys. And I just think that at receiver, you need to hit on a guy that's gonna hit like 30 points. And I just see very clearly AJ Brown getting there. Yeah, I know the Dolphins have good corners, but AJ Brown is Better than those guys. Sorry, like I'm gonna put my I'm gonna bet that he's going to be the better player in those matchups. I know he's getting the ball, so I think AJ Brown is someone that I really want to play, especially in stacks alongside Jalen Waddle. Other guys, I know you mentioned some of these slot receivers, Hunter Renfro. Look, yeah. he's been not great over the last two weeks, but before that, we saw him have three straight games with over 100 yards receiving when Darren Waller wasn't playing, and we know Darren Waller's not. He's on IR now, so we know he's not going to be back. You look at the way the Colts defense plays. Zone Renfro ranks third in the NFL in receptions against zone coverage this year. So, he's going to get peppered with targets. We don't know what Brian Edwards the status of him is. So, I think Renfro makes a lot of sense especially as like a bring-back option for Jonathan Taylor. Like if you if Jonathan Taylor if you're going to play him in a tournament, like you want there to be something on the other side. Like the Raiders yeah. can do something. Their offense is Mediocre enough where they at least get some type of production, from at least one player, whether it is Renfro, whether it is Foster Moreau. Like, there's definitely a way to add another component to a Jonathan Taylor lineup. So, I think that Renfro is probably the guy I would look at at 6,600. Again, he's like in a weird price range where people just aren't going to play him, even though, like, the guy has 20 point upside, like you mentioned, because he gets. Ten targets a game, like he's he's heavily targeted. So I think Renfro makes a ton of sense there as a bring back option in Jonathan Taylor lineups. Odell Beckham Jr. We mentioned him in both him and Van Jefferson. I don't get why they're so flying under the radar i mean both had over 100 air yards last week i mean matthew stafford just sucked last week he was just so bad he he was just missing guys left and right just terrible performance but what i noticed about stafford when i was looking at his game logs basically whenever he's had a game where he's finished outside the top 19 quarterbacks on the week he's finished the next week as a or he's never finished worse as top five the next Hmm. week so he's been able to bounce back after bad games. And I think that he's out to prove something because they were able to win that game against the Vikings, despite him playing so terribly. And I think that he knows, okay, this Ravens defense is reeling right now. I want to just, you know, I'm going to put it to him. I'm going to get all these guys involved. So I think this could be a game where you definitely want to stack the Rams offense. And then the last guy I'll mention here is, uh is Brashad Perryman just as a differentiator with a Tampa Bay passing attack. Now the way that the, Buccaneers receivers shook out last week. You know, Tyler Johnson basically was a non-factor despite running routes. Cyril Grayson was playing ahead of him. So I would assume that because Perryman was out, we saw Grayson kind of fill into the Mike Evans role. I would assume with Brashad Perryman now back off the COVID list, he would kind of take over that Mike Evans spot and be out there on, you know, running around on 90% plus of Tom Brady's drop back. So again, Antonio Brown is the chalk of the chalk. But if Perryman is the one that comes down with the touchdowns, That's how you get different with a Tom Brady lineup. So whether you do Tom Brady, Gronk and Perryman, something like that in a large field GPP, like, and Jody Brown was good last week, but he didn't score. So if you didn't play him again, 4,900 was really tough to get away from him at 6,100. If he just does what he did last week, there are ways to not play him potentially in a tournament and not necessarily get buried. So I think that that's an interesting pivot. And actually I do want to mention one other guy Lockett, uh, against the Detroit lions. Like, fifth highest pass rating allowed to slot receivers. For some reason DK Metcalf has higher projected roster ship because he's big and fast even though even though Tyler Lockett is like outproduced him, I feel like in almost all the games this season. So, Tyler Lockett always a guy that can explode I and mean, he's playing the lines. So, someone's going to have to score from Seattle. So, whether yeah. it's Penny like you alluded to, Tyler Lockett, I mean, uh, the, the the market thinks it's going to be DK Metcalf, which probably means it won't be cuz cuz we're seemingly never right. It's basically we talk about this Jared Evans. Basically, whoever gets the first target from the Seahawks receivers is always the one that goes off. So you immediately know, you know, once the game starts, oh, baby, it's a locket game or oh know it's a Metcalf game. So uh, I'll be waiting with bated breath to see who gets the first target for the
0: Seahawks maybe just maybe a little play action bootleg. Oh, it's a dump down to (laughs) Gerald Everett sitting there at just 4.1K. What a transition right there to the tight end group. I do think Everett, you know, right there makes a lot of sense. If you want to go, you know, we talked about a bring back for the Jonathan Taylor lineup. So I don't think Foster Moreau is out of the question, but, you know, going up just from the bottom to top at tight end, Everett is the first one that like I'm actually both feeling good about from like his potential production standpoint. And I think the price is uh, reasonable enough. So I get it, you know, comment Moelle Cox and those guys, like they have passive the success, but Everett has Demonstrated that for the better part of the last, you know, four six weeks, he's overcome the whole, you know, infamous what Week Thirteen game that was like one of the worst performances by a skill position player all year. Doing much better and does have that matchup against the Lions. Uh, you, you were talking earlier about you know finding ways to get off of Antonio Brown and you know leveraging that. Rob Gronkowski, I know it's been back to back duds, but man, we know that other than Mark Andrews probably has higher two touchdown upside than just about anyone. And how about Mark Andrews all the way up there at seventy four hundred? I know it's a lot of money, but it's not like he's necessarily overpriced. If you just look at wide receivers and tight ends this year and their PPR fantasy points per game, number one's Cooper Cup, then Devontae Adams, then Devo, then Justin Jefferson, then Antonio Brown, then Tyree Kill, and then tied with Deontay Johnson at seventh is Mark Freaking Andrews. So more PPR points per game than Goblin, then Diggs, then Chase, then Allen. All these guys that if you saw a 7,400 price tag, you're like, okay, that's not cheap, but it's not something like out of the ordinary for a legit alpha number one receiver. That's what Mark Andrews is. We just happen to call him a tight end. So I think he's a great option, specifically for those uh, Rams Stafford, you know, Cup OBJ. Bring back stacks. So paying up out the position, I think, could make a lot of sense this week. And you know, we're probably never going to see George Kittle have a lower ownership, especially if Trey Lance is under center. Makes sense to be an easy enough stacking partner. I get it, Lance. Pretty erratic as a passer. I think he can maybe exist in those, you know, one one and a half seconds between getting the snap though and throwing the ball to five yards downfield with George Kittle before he does king shit and just breaks a million tackles. So once again, facing the Texans, don't be sleeping on George Kittle's potential to supply one of these. Sl- late breaking games that you know yeah he hasn't had for a couple weeks but man oh man I think he could get there so Kittle is probably my favorite um one of the week to try to get up to just because we know what he can do um, when everything goes right for him but I think specifically with those ram stacks trying to find a way to get up to Mark Andrews uh makes some sense as well all these guys man that, that list I just mentioned uh, Kittle is at 16th. Like, Kittle has averaged as many PPR points per game as Mike Evans this year. More than CeeDee Lamb, more than Adam Thielen, more than Renfro, Marquise Brown, all these guys. So I know they're tight ends, but they really have been producing, like, wide receivers more weeks than not. I am worried about Travis Kelsey, though. All these guys come back from the COVID list, man. I just don't know if there's enough difference in our projections between Andrews and Kittle versus Kelsey when we just saw last week, like they are willing to bring back, they brought back Tyree Kill knowing that he wasn't going to be able to play a full game's worth of snaps. That's problematic in trusting Kelsey here, especially for that price tag. So, you know, similar to just what we were talking about at running back, you know, trying to go against the grain generally compared to normal roster construction. I think because they've jacked up these prices at the top tier of tight end, hey, it might be worth trying to go get it. And don't be afraid to do a double stack as long as you're including Andrews, Kelsey, Kittle, or Gronk because those guys truly do have the same sort of upside as wide receivers, running backs that you'd normally be putting there in the flex. Everett, Andrew, I think, I think we're both in agreement that he's a solid guy, but hey, what about... Kyler Murray's new number one receiver. Who, hey, he's a tight end, but he does lead the way in targets since losing DeAndre Hopkins. Talk to me about Zach Ertz.
1: Yes, Zach Ertz. You know he's actually second in expected fantasy points per game behind only Mark Andrews over the last six weeks. So again, like you said, you like you said earlier. He is the target share leader, 28% target share over the last two weeks. AJ Green has returned to his dust form that we saw last year with the Cincinnati (laughs) Bengals along with Emmanuel Sanders and all these other veterans that we were just like, don't draft these guys. And we were ultimately proven correct um, because those guys are no longer relevant and they're being replaced by other players on their offenses. But I think it makes so much sense. I think that what I'm trying to do more of with tight ends in tournaments and in stacks is to really put them into a stack. Like, I, I'm not looking for or I don't think you should be really focused on is this tight end of value when you're playing in a tournament? You're like, is this tight end going to score me fantasy points? Like, that's what you're looking for. Like, that's why Komet and like, these lower price guys are guys we talk about in cash because they get nine points. Like, whatever. It's fine. Like, we don't care. But you want the tight end to actually, like, help your lineup if it can. So if you're building a stack with Dak Prescott doubles, OK, who do you want to bring it back with? Zach Ertz, like if you're not going to bring it back with Dalton Schultz, or he's not going to be in your lineup with Dak Prescott. It makes sense to use Ertz as the target share leader on the Arizona Cardinals. He's not going to be covered by Chavon Diggs, like we know that for sure. Yeah. And Christian Kirk has been really up and down this year. So instead of kind of wasting a receiver spot on Christian Kirk at 5,800, where there are a ton of receivers in that range that you can play, that I think you would just rather play in a vacuum over Kirk to get the correlation you play Zach Ertz and you kind of get rid of the tight end position in the process because like tight end is gross like usually and i think that's really important why why you want to pay up in most cases in tournaments because if they hit you're going to just have a massive leg over the field because most people are just trying, are trying to punt off the position so but when, if Gronkowski gets 30 points like i think Kittle call was really really sharp you know Trey Lance if he has a tournament winning performance Yes, he's probably going to do some damage on the ground, but chances are he probably brings at least one receiver with him, like we saw with Huntley a couple weeks ago, and it was Mark Andrews. So yeah. if you're going to bet on Ayuk, Debo, or George Kittle, like you got to just you know plant your flag on one guy. And honestly, tight end is harder to parse through anyway, so you might as well just pick Kittle as a guy that he doesn't even need a lot of targets to be super productive. And that's kind of what you're looking at with a Trey Lance a a trade lance led offense is fewer passing attempts yeah. so you're not going to see debo get you know 10 targets or IU get 10 targets so which one of these guys is the most efficient and we know just looking at yards per route run every single season who's number one <laughs> mr george kittle so yeah i i, I like that calling george kittle especially stacking him with Trey lance i think most people will just play Trey lance naked because they'll be like i don't know who to stack him with but I think that gives you an edge. Again, obviously it's riskier because if you pick the wrong guy, okay. Then you kind of wasted a a spot, but you're trying to win. And I think that gives you an edge. So Zach Ertz, I think makes a ton of sense. Hit on Foster Moreau as well. Great matchup against the Colts. And he's kind of already, you know, after he kind of dudded out, you know, filling in for Waller, he started to kind of come on a little bit more, getting more targets in the, uh, the Raiders offense. So he's got back to back uh, top 10 finishes. Yeah. So he's been improving. And, And again, the matchup of the Colts, the Colts are bad against slot receivers and tight ends. Like, and that's all the Raiders have right now. So you want to play Renfro or Rowe um, as your two guys to bring back with Jonathan Taylor? And yeah, I think that's really it for the uh, the tight end position.
0: Dude, the Fossum Rowe thing—it's like every—he he went six sixty with a touchdown in his first game without Waller, and like he just you know had a dud in the first game. And I was like, wow, Fossum Rowe is like now dead to us <laughs> forever. Like the expectations were ridiculous. I you know I feel like we've like had situations like Dalvin Cooks out, and so okay, we'll just put Madison in the top five. Like a truly isn't that different like we can treat we've seen seen from Madison he has that workload and everything people were trying to do it with like Waller to Moreau, and it's like come on now this is a tight end here and he's just not nearly as good as Darren Waller like let's freaking be honest with ourselves take your one game sample size and go straight to hell man like come the hell I never, <laughs> I've never seen people like so confidently tout a one game sample like well look at week five how could he possibly bust so ugh, now that I got that off my chest all right quickly on defense as I like to do Uh, just pointing out some RBDST stacks that I think could uh, go ahead and work out well, you know, based on their opponent, based on the projected game script. As we know, you know, defenses and running backs tend to correlate um, fairly well because, you know, when you get up in the game, then you start to run the ball. And as we see, you know, some old boomer sports reporter every like month or so make the mistake, you know, no, 20 carries doesn't lead to the win, but wins usually do lead to 20 carries and a, you know, good defensive effort along the way. So with that in mind, I think Josh Jacobs against a potential Josh Jacobs and the Raiders D if Carson Wentz is out. Again, it's Sam freaking Ellinger, dude. Like we just saw what Ian Book and like how he sank Alvin Kamara in that entire offense against, you know, the Dolphins. I, it's slightly better defense. Not one for one example, but Josh Jacobs, anytime we have a running back that can get 20 plus carries and now in a game where they'd be facing a backup quarterback, I think uh, there is a potential in a tournament for that to come to fruition. Jonathan Taylor and the Colts D, same thing on the other side. We've certainly seen Derek Carr have a bad game or two, particularly in recent months. Austin Eckler and that Chargers D going up against my guy, Drew Locke. Uh, Andrew, Drew Locke had zero turnovers last week. I don't exactly see that happening uh, two games in a row um, with Eckler. I don't think his roster or what is his roster ship at? It's pretty high. It's always pretty high. Yeah, it's he? above 10. I think it's at 11%. It's above 10%. That's not bad, though. Like, usually, I, I, usually I'm usually i seeing it push 20 uh, more or not. So if you want to go, I mean, that's it's 11%. It's no reason to fade the man. So uh, I'll give me Eckler and the Chargers D against uh, Drew Locke again. I think that makes a lot of sense. Dave Montgomery and that Bears D against the Giants. Don't think we need to explain that one too much. He is going to be chalky in tournaments. But, hey, man, if it's a chalky guy and he scores you 25 points, who freaking cares at that point? Uh, Rashad Penny and the Seahawks. Defense going against the Lions. Talked about him a bunch already. And if you are going to go the Sony Michelle route, why not throw the Rams D out there as well? It doesn't look like Lamar is going to be out there. He practiced on Wednesday, was limping all over the place, and then registered DMP on Thursday. So, yeah, Josh Johnson, Tyler Huntley, they haven't sucked, but these are also backup quarterbacks. Like, we can't just assume that this one game that we've seen from both where they did play well is going to, you know, continue to lead to a great performance, particularly when you're facing Aaron Donald and Jalen Rams Like this isn't a Josh Jacobs Raiders defense play where you're hoping on, you know, just truly abysmal offensive production. This is actually a good defense on the Rams as well. Any notes on the defenses here, Andrew, for tournaments?
1: No, I think the Saints and Panthers are both kind of interesting. You know, neither are really getting much roster show. I think they both are at sub seven percent. And I mean, you got. Panthers are playing. The Panthers are a good defense and they're playing Taysom Hill and the Saints are playing Sam Darnold. And look, if you've been listening to this podcast all year long, you know, we we were not fooled by the Sam Darnold start. Like we knew <laughs> all along he was a fraud. So yeah, Saints defense fire him up. I,
0: I was somewhat fooled thinking that maybe one competent receiver could emerge. <laughs> I thought DJ Moore with those crazy target and air yard shares he had early on could uh keep on keeping on, but nope. Sam Darnold even took DJ from us. Thanks a lot, uh Sam. Yeah, 3 Count them three games this week with a game total under 40. Dolphins and Titans at 39 and a half. Panthers, Saints at 37 and a half. Giants, Bears at just 37. So that's the uh, the
1: 37 is the lowest of the year.
0: Lowest of the year. I'm not freaking surprised, man. (laughs) Like if Red Zone just ignores that game, I, I would not be mad. All right, Andrew, you know, usually, and again, like we always prepare our notes kind of separately to, you know, really get the creative juices going. We don't want to just be cheating out here, but we have. We usually have a good amount of the same cash plays, maybe a couple tournament ones here or there. First time of the year, though, that we have the exact same favorite stack of the week. So how about that? Let the people know who we're trying to stack and who we're bringing it back with as our favorite tournament options. Yeah,
1: we got the the Matthew. St- we gave you the Joe Burrow doubles last week, and now we're coming back with, hey, worked against the Ravens. Let's, let's bring it back. Matthew Stafford Go. doubles, Cooper Cup, OBJ. Bring it back with Mark Andrews. Look, I mean, when Tyler Huntley's a quarterback, Mark Andrews gets more targets. Like, like, that's that's a good thing for him. Like, that dude is on fire. I don't see why. I mean, he's the number one tight end going up against the number one wide receiver on the other side of the football. I mean, Cooper Cup is just, he's in fuego right now. Like, don't fade Cooper Cup. Like, he's not going to, like, next year, sure, maybe it'll come down. But the next <laughs> two games, like, it's not stopping. <laughs> like, if it hasn't stopped over 16 weeks, why would it stop in week 17? That's, the, that's what I'll say. So, Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, OBJ. Again, if you want to make two lineups and make one with Van Jefferson and OBJ, I think that makes a lot of sense as well. But right now with OBJ and Van Jefferson are both projected to be under 5%. I I mean, I prefer, similar to you, I just prefer Beckham.
0: And sprinkle them like obj and beckham like if you're just looking for a random wide receiver and all your other tournament lineups i absolutely love both of those guys like i i lean obj andrew but i think i have them like right next to each other in my actual wide receiver ranks Like right that, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to like really make a strong rational argument for why one should be ranked significantly higher than the other stafford cup will lean obj bring that shit back with mark andrews now andrew one and one last week On the props, you missed the Cordero Patterson rushing over, which is not your fault. What the hell, Atlanta? Eight touches for Cordero Patterson? That's just freaking stupid, so missed that one. But you did nail Jerry Judy under four receptions. What do you have on the docket for the loyal listeners this week?
1: Yeah, so this one, I'm just really surprised that it hasn't changed since I bet it earlier in the week. So it's Josh Allen. His passing yards prop is at 255 yards um, against the Atlanta Falcons. I, I don't know. I, I don't know why <laughs> the line is set like that. You know, if I'm missing out that like Buffalo, there's like a blizzard going to be happening, then that's why I'm going to be wrong at this point. Like, to my knowledge, there's no blizzard reported in, in Buffalo, <laughs> which can be the only reason I don't think that this hits. But I mean, it's the Atlanta Falcons and it's Josh Allen. Like it's one of the most pass heavy offenses, even even when they've been involving Devin Singletary more in the offense over the last couple of weeks, they're still throwing at a top 10 Rate in neutral game script and even when they're leading they're still throwing the ball a ton he has all of his receivers back and uh, they're going to put aj terrell to lock down emmanuel sanders great job like get his pff grade up and then <laughs> stevon Diggs is going to go over against whoever else and he's just going to dominate so i think that josh allen over 255 and a half passing yards is a a lock and i know that the falcons defense has had a you know a surge the last couple of weeks i mean if you look at the quarterbacks they played yeah. you know just garbage like garbage <laughs> guys <laughs> So Josh Allen's in a total different stratosphere than those players. So I think Josh Allen over 255 and a half passing yards. It's just, it's just way too low. I just don't know why it's, it's so, I mean, he threw for 300 yards over 300 yards against the Patriots who are the best pass defense in the league. And if there and is I, an
0: offense, that's just going to keep throwing the ball. Even when they're up by 28, it's probably the freaking bills. Exactly.
1: Exactly. It just it was, it was just way too low. And I'm just like, so surprised. Like I bet it earlier in the week thinking, Oh man, this is going to get like hammered. You know, it's <laughs> going to move up to like 300 and it's still at this time of recording, still at 255 and a half passing yards. And I like to parlay it with uh, a Cordero Patterson under 42 and a half rushing yards if you want to get some correlation parlays because the Falcons are trailing, it means they're not running the football. So that's my first one. And then the second one is an under Marvin Jones Jr. under 45 and a half receiving yards. So he's hit this in three of his last nine games and he's done it against the Jets, 49ers and Titans. None of those defenses are even close to what the Patriots have on defense as they've allowed the fourth fewest receiving yards and fewest receptions per game to opposing wide receivers. I can make the argument that since Urban Meyer got fired, Marvin Jones isn't even the number one receiver on his team. No, Laquan Treadwell has been running more routes. Laquan Treadwell has more receiving yards than Marvin Jones does over the last two weeks. I expect Marvin Jones to see more coverage from JC Jackson, who has allowed the league's second lowest passer rating when targeted the seeded 47 and a half, so... Yeah, I mean, anytime I can take unders on dusty receivers that are way past their prime, I just I just hammer them. So Marvin Jones under. I, I hit on all the Emmanuel Sanders unders last week. It felt great.
0: <laughs> so bringing it back with Marvin Jones. Man, yeah. This, like, okay, Trevor Lawrence, 280 passing yards. Like, that's... I'm, I'm happy he threw for 280 passing yards <laughs> against the Jets last week. Like, that's how bad it's been, man. Because the worst part about him and Zach Wilson this year, even in – because, like, look, we've seen quarterbacks on bad teams still be okay enough fancy guys like – not that we were touting either Lawrence or Wilson much throughout the summer, but I don't necessarily hate on people that did because when you look at them, it was like, okay, well, there's some receivers out there, you know, theoretically, you know, when they're not getting hurt or anything. So the idea was like, okay, they'll be bad, but that means they'll be forced to throw a lot. And they have been forced to throw a lot. They just haven't done anything in garbage time. So Fields has been able to, to an extent, uh, for some reason, Lawrence and Wilson have not. So Marvin Jones, under 45 and a half receiving yards, josh allen over 255 and a half passing yards heard it from the prop prophet himself everyone that is going to wrap up this edition of the pff fantasy football podcast make sure you go to pff.com check out all of andrew's work start them and sit them buy low and sell high targets based on high value opportunities fantasy football ranks and always with your waiver wire pickups andrew you got your cheat sheet coming out too anything else you want to get off your chest
1: I have. I'm starting Trey Lance, and I think every single two quarterback league that I'm left in, and right. I'm just, I'm just praying that you know Jimmy Garoppolo's thumb isn't isn't miraculously cured by by Sunday, or else I'm I'm gonna start Drew Locke again, yeah. <laughs> and I just I just rather not. Even though, did you see Drew Locke's PFF grade last week? He was the number two graded quarterback last week.
0: Yeah. Well, that's I don't like to reference <laughs> our grades when we got stuff like that going on. <laughs> well, I just thought I, it was
1: interesting because. Yeah. They uh they definitely tried to establish the run. Uh, that's what they tried to do. Yeah,
0: they they sure did. I too am <laughs> in am in deep with uh Trey Lance. Rare opportunity, Andrew. You know the the King's classic stuff. We went to um Canton for have a chance, champ champ oh, status in the championship in the snake and auction. I got Trey Lance going in both come on, Trey. That'd be awesome. I just want to get those two belts, stand up there like (laughs) Conor McGregor and apologize to absolutely fucking nobody. So that's how I'm hoping uh, this weekend goes out. People, you know, I hope that you have found this podcast uh, useful. You know, Andrew and I put our heart and soul into trying to help you guys get that money cash and tournaments alike. So if you've enjoyed the podcast and hey, maybe, you know, you're just now rolling in money, want to give back just a little bit. Well, we got a deal for you because for a limited time, you can get 50% off any PFF Elite subscription using code EliteUp, up all the information we've been telling you about rostership you know our overall thoughts on the player a lot of this is behind a paywall or player rankings all that this will give you all that and much much more also have our nfl and college football betting dashboards nfl green line is up 27 units this season college green line up 32 units obviously our grades player prop tool much much more again a christmas gift to you and also supporting the pod winner people helping people and you're becoming a smarter football fan so use promo code EliteUp. For 50% off an entire year of PFF Elite. So thank you as always for tuning in. And for Andrew, I'm Ian. Until next time, take care, everybody.